what I want to do today, I'm going to teach from, from a court of heaven perspective. How many of you remember the teaching on the court of heaven? Anybody? Okay, not too many, though. That if you, you're just bashful and not raising your hand. Okay, so let me just real briefly, I just real briefly want to explain the court of heaven. In Daniel 7, verse 10, the scripture literally says that the court was seated and the books were open. Uh, after uh, Daniel actually looked into uh, the spirit realm and he saw a real judicial system in the unseen world. Uh, if you went ahead and read through Daniel 7 down into about verse 26, it literally says that the Antichrist spirit, that, that the court would be seated and the Antichrist spirit, its power and its authority to operate would be taken away. You see, I believe that the court of heaven is so important for us today because of the Antichrist spirit that's trying to take over nations. See, there, we have to, I mean, it's, what is the Antichrist spirit? Well, Psalms 2 tells us what it is. It says that the Antichrist spirit is saying, we'll cast off his bonds and we'll remove his restraints. Talking about God. What does that mean? That means there is a movement to take away anything that speaks of God within our cultures. That, they, that it wants to be removed. Well, guess what? God said there's going to be a court convened in heaven that's going to render a judgment that says the Antichrist spirit's uh, rights are revoked and are removed. See, I'm saying that to say there's a very real court in the spirit world that we have access into. This is why Jesus, in Luke 18, uh, verses 1 through 8, actually put prayer into a judicial setting. When he talked about a widow coming before an unjust judge. And through her persistent presentation of her case, remember what happened? The judge said, I'm going to give this woman what she wants. Lest by her continual coming, she wears me out. Okay, so, so, what, so what, was, what was Jesus saying? He wasn't saying God is an unjust judge we have, to, we have to convince. He was saying that if this widow woman who had no power, no might, no clout, if she could get a verdict from an unjust judge, how much more can we come before God the judge of all and see him render verdicts in our behalf? So we learned how to do this. I'm going to talk to you some things here because one of the things that, um, that I actually, um, well, let me just give you one more scripture. 1 Peter 5, 8, where Peter said, be, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, that is the Greek word, adversary, is the Greek word antidikos, which means one who brings a lawsuit. So in other words, and he says, it's the devil who walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. See, the devil is our legal opponent. He is looking for a legal right to devour us, to keep us out of the promises of God, to stop us from having what God wants for us. In fact, the word antidikos is two words, anti, which means instead of, okay, and dikos, which means rights. So the purpose of the devil as our legal opponent, you ready for this, is to deny you what's rightfully yours. You see, we have rights because of the covenant we have with Jesus because of what he did for us on the cross. But how I many of you know so often we're not living in those promises? Why? Because the enemy has found some kind of a legal claim against us to be able to hinder us from coming into the fullness of that. So we want to learn how to break these things. Now, having, having said that, Proverbs 26.2 makes this statement. It says, like a flitting sparrow, 
like a flying swallow, so a curse without a cause cannot light. So, so curses, watch, curses coming against our lives are a result of the enemy having discovered, having discovered a reason or a cause to land it. So in other words, he discovers a legal right to land curses against us. Well, what's a curse? Well, a curse can be a lot of things, but this is what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the curse that puts limits, restrictions, and constraints on us that does not let us come into the fullness of what God intended for us, that we only get a piece of what God has for us because there's actually a curse on our life hindering us from coming in to the fullness of what God has. Let me show you a scripture. Isaiah 54, verse 3. It says, for you shall expand, or you shall break out. It says, to the right hand and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make desolate cities inhabited. What is the, the promise of God is he wants to bless us so much that there is such an increase such a fruitfulness flowing from our lives that literally reformation of nations takes place. That's what he says. It says when it talks about in uninhabited cities becoming inhabited again and desolate places being recovered and restored, it's saying that God says, I want such a fruitfulness, such a blessing, such a prosperity on my people's lives that literally culture is being affected because of the level of blessing that's on our lives. Okay, but watch this. If you're like me, Here's what happens. Instead of me seeing that be a reality, it's like sometimes I feel this restriction. I feel this limit that comes on my life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That you might feel that too. You say, you, you're, and, and here's, here's one of the ways you can know that that's there. is because it, it, it tends to birth a frustration in you. That I'm frustrated because I can't seem to get into what I really know I was made for. But I really have a sense that I was created to come into. And so there's this restriction. There's these limits that are upon us. So, see, I'm saying that the reason those limits are there is because there's a curse that's found a legal right to land. It's found a legal right, a cause to be able to come and to affect our lives. Now, that can, there can be a lot of different causes. It can be in our lives. It can be in our bloodline that the enemy finds legal rights to land things. But I'm gonna, here's what I wanted to do. I felt like the Lord actually spoke this to me today as I was just praying and studying. Remember Hannah? Hannah was barren in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah was barren. Well, see, barrenness is a really good description for us sometimes when we feel these constraints and limits on our life. And we're not able to be as fruitful and we're not able to produce the way that we know, that the way that we, we want to and the way that we feel like we're supposed to. So, but watch, how many of you know Hannah came out of that place of limits, came out of that place of constraints, and came into a fruitfulness? Before God was done, not only did she give birth to Samuel, but she gave birth to three more sons and two more daughters, and she became a very fruitful person, breaking the limits off that were trying to constrain her, that were trying to hold her in a place. God wants to do that for us. 
But I'm going to show you. I'm just going to show you. I'm watching my time. But I just want to show you seven, um, and I'll move through them quick. I want to show you seven things that happened in the life of Hannah from a court of heaven perspective. Okay, this is from a court of heaven, and I'll explain that as I move through there. That will help us know how to deal with certain issues in the unseen realm that might be hindering us in the natural world. From us coming into all that God made us for. So, having said that, how did the curse that was creating limits on Hannah, how did she come free from that? Number one, number one. Um, well, let me, before I get to number one, let me read this scripture, just so you'll know the connection. Genesis 30, verse 6. Remember, barrenness, and when I say barrenness, I'm, listen, if anybody's here that's literally barren and have not been able to have children, I would love to pray. I'm going to pray for you, pray with you before we're done. But, but barrenness so often is not just something that's physical. It's just like, it's like I can't seem to produce something on the level that I've been called and ordained to produce. Well, in Genesis 30, verse 6, it speaks about Rachel. How many of you know, watch this. This has always been an attack of the enemy. Sarah was barren. Um, Rebecca was barren. Rachel was barren. All the patriarch's wives in the beginning were barren. Why? Because it was a strategic attempt of the adversary to keep the seed, Jesus, out of the earth. Okay, because, because he wanted to keep them bare. But guess what? God is bigger than that. And he, and he, broke, he broke this thing. So, so we see Rachel. There was two wives that Jacob had, Leah and Rachel. Leah could have children. Rachel couldn't. And here's what it says. Rachel obviously was crying out to God because Genesis 30 verse 6 says, Then Rachel said, watch, God has what? Judged my case. And he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. Notice that Rachel, in her understanding, had obviously been into the judicial system of heaven. I want you to see this. Why? Because she said, the judge, God, has judged my case and has released things so that there can begin to be children that are brought forth. So it's not just natural children. Please hear me. It is, it is us coming free from barrenness. It is us coming free from limitations and constraints. Let me show you another scripture that always stands out to me. Remember um, Rebecca, that, that Eliezer went to get her for Isaac? Well, what, what happened when he found her and she consents to go back with Eliezer to Isaac, Notice Genesis 24, 59 through 60. So they went away, Rebecca and their sister and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. They're, le they're leaving to go back to Abraham and Isaac. And they blessed Rebecca. Here's what they said as they blessed Rebecca. They said to her, our sister, may you become a mother of thousands, of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. So this is the prophetic word that was sent with her when she left. That she was going to be the mother of thousands. How many know the enemy will always fight against the real prophetic word? Because what happens? Genesis 25, 21. 
when she gets back and is joined to Isaac, watch what happens. Now, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife. Why? Because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea and Rebekah, his wife, was seen. But watch, when, she, when they first came together, Rebekah was barren. Listen, I've watched this so often that there is a legitimate, real, prophetic word that we're carrying, but it looks like everything opposite of it is what's really real. Why? Because we have to know how, just like Rachel did, go into the courts of heaven before the judge and have him render a verdict to break all barrenness and limitations off so that we can expand to the right hand and to the left. That we can see the increase of God come. So, having said all of that, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, let me, let me give you some insight from, from uh, uh, Hannah's life. Watch what it said. First thing that, that you have to do, I believe, is we need to rec recognize territorial issues. I mean, I've watched this as I've traveled. I watched certain demonic powers ruling over territories that somehow or another claim legal rights against the people of God. Watch, watch what he says. It says in 1 Samuel 1.1, Now there was a certain man of Ramathim, Sophim, of the mountains of Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Joram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephraimite. This was the husband of Hannah. So Hannah is living with the man in a place. Now this word, Ramathim, Sophim, you know what it means? It means a seat of idolatry. So here she is living in the atmosphere of a territory that is the seat of idolatry. It's the seat of idolatry. See, sometimes we don't need to be ignorant of what's actually going on in the spirit world, in, in the regions that we live in. Because sometimes, perhaps, the thing that's putting limits on us is not something in our own personal life. It can even be something that's regional. Okay, now, Pastor and I have talked at length about this. We, that that um, unless you're an apostle, now this is what I believe. Unless you're an apostle, anointed of God, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you don't need to mess with those territorial spirits. Because why? Because it's outside of most believers' jurisdiction. See, I'm, I, I do challenge them sometimes, but only under the leadership of the Spirit. Because if I challenge them, if I challenge them just out of zeal, I listen, I have lived to regret it. The Bible actually talks about this in Job, about somebody putting their hand upon Leviathan. It says they will never do it again. I know what that feels like. And I'm just trying to give you a word of wisdom here. You need to be very, very careful how you deal with these territorial issues. But at the same time, at the same time, watch this. I believe that, that we need to be aware sometimes of some things that, are, that, are, that, are, that have been set into place, uh, that are operating in those particular areas. Now, let me, let me just give you an insight here. I, I wanted to do this. Psalms 115, verses 4 through 8. It says, their idols are silver and gold, the works of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. 
Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throats. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts them. So watch. It says that those who are in alignment and in an agreement. Now watch this. With demonic spirits on any level, those that are in agreement, literally the effect of who those things are can touch them. Um, I have watched this happen. I mean, somebody else showed me this and, and helped me understand it. That sometimes when a person has set up an idol in their life, they actually can become like that idol. And watch, they will not get their deliverance, neither will they get healed until the agreement with that idol is broken. Okay, so, so the Bible literally says, for instance, I, I, let, me, let me just be very clear with this. It says, they have mouths, but they do not speak. In other words, they can be mute. They have eyes, but they do not see. In other words, they have eye problems. It says, it says they have ears, but they do not hear. They can be deaf. And sometimes it's like, okay, well, we just need to release the anointing to bring healing. But sometimes if there is an agreement with an idol in, the ba in your own life or in the, ba in, in the background of your life, please hear me, it can give that thing a legal right to make you like it. Okay, so you have to know how to go into the courts of heaven and say, I am, I belong to Jesus. His blood is speaking for me, and I repent for every, any and every agreement with idols. I repent for any and every agreement with these things, and I break it, and I receive my full deliverance from any effect it's having on my life. Is that making sense to you? Okay, so, so I want to encourage us. We'll, we'll, we'll do that here in just a moment before I'm through. Okay, let me give you another, another issue from Hannah's life from a court of heaven perspective, is that others' words can be used of the devil to build cases against you. Now, I've, I've just learned this. The first, I mean, the first time I stepped into the court of heaven was in behalf of my son, Adam. He was held in depression. Okay, as I walked through the process under a very strong leadership of the Holy Spirit, I began by repenting for him even though I didn't even know if I could do that legally or not. But then I found 1 John 5, 16. If anyone sin is sinning a sin not unto death, I can ask life for them and God will give them life. And I began to realize I had a right to represent my son in the courts of heaven. Watch. Now, listen, my prayers didn't cause him to be forgiven. My prayers revoked the enemy's legal right to use his sin against him. Okay, and so, so, and it broke, and then Adam was able to walk in and repent and get, and get full freedom and, and, and full uh, forgiveness. Okay, but, but I, my, my prayers in representing him before the Lord actually revoked the enemy's legal right to use things against him and hold him in bondage. Okay, so I, so I did that, but, but watch this. The second thing I did with Adam was after I did that, the Lord said to me, now you repent, talking to me. And I said, and I thought, what have I done? I'm the good guy here. And the Lord said to me, you have spoken negative words against Adam to his mother, my wife. And I had. In my frustration, I said, I just, he knew better than this. He shouldn't have been doing, you know, and all that kind of thing. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, the enemy has taken your words 
and has used them as a legal right to bring a case against Adam, saying even his own father says this about him. And I had to repent for what I had spoken over Adam because that was, that was empowering the legal claim of the adversary against him. And, I'm, and watch this. When I got through doing all this for about 15 minutes, Adam, a week, a week and a half later, called me and said to me, Dad, I don't know what happened, but a week and a half ago, all the depression left me. And he was completely freed because I dealt with a legal issue, one of which was my words being used by the adversary to build a case against him. And I have watched this happen in my own life. I was in a hotel room, and I could feel delay. I could feel this delay against me. And, 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 and the natural, it was so. I had been promised some things, and, and then nothing was happening. And so I literally just kind of off the cuff, you know, said to God, God, is there something yet against me in the spirit world? And instantly the Lord said, yes, there is. And he said, I need for you to say before me what Moses said before me when Korah attacked him. Here's what Moses said. Lord, I've taken nothing from them, not even a donkey. And when he told me that, I realized somebody is saying, I stole something that is theirs. And I had a suspicion of who it was. And I said, Lord, I've taken nothing from them. And the Lord said to me, when you say this, it's going to give me the right to examine the records in heaven, if you will, to see if what you're telling me is right. And he would find out that it was absolutely true. It was not right. I was not guilty of what I was being accused. And God could annul those words. And the truth is, I did exactly that. And within two days, major breakthroughs began to come that I'm living in today. Because it was a case against me based on the words of what someone else was saying about me. And I'm, I'm just touching this very quickly. See, you got to understand, listen, if your mom and dad ever said anything bad about you, you need to undo those words. Okay, if an employer said something about, bad about you, you need to undo those words. If a religious leader has said something evil about you, you need to undo those words. You see, see, there needs to be an undoing of these words because the enemy takes these words and uses them to build a case against us. See, this is what went on with, with Hannah, 1 Samuel 1, 6. Her rival, the other wife, also provoked her uh, severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed up her womb. So there was this contention. There was these words that were being spoken against Hannah, mocking her and scorning her. Listen, words are very powerful. Like I had a very high-level prophet decide they didn't like me. I don't know why I'm a nice guy. But they decided they didn't like me. And they began to speak of words. Here's what. Before I understood this, I laughed about it. I said, let them say what they want. And I just laughed about it. Until my life started falling to pieces. Why? Because that high-level prophet actually had an authority in God. And whenever they began to speak, the, the enemy took their words and said, even this, your servant, says this about him. And I had to know how to go into the courts of heaven and annul those words so that the case against me would be dismissed. 
Okay, because it was the words of, a, of someone with a legitimate authority in God that was being used to speak against me that was giving the enemy a legal right to restrict me. Is this making sense to you? See, you got to know how to take these things off in the courts of heaven. Okay, let me give you a third thing that Hannah did. She came to a place of desperation. First, First Samuel 1.10. She was in bitterness of soul. She prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Okay, we, we, we remember that Eli, the, the high priest, mistaken. But, but she is in a deep place of, 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 of groaning. Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. Watch this with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's not just tongues. It can be tongues, but it's not just tongues. See, listen, there's a, there's a place of groaning in the spirit that will testify in the courts that your words never can and never will. See, and I, there's been times where God has come upon me in a spirit of travail, in a spirit of groaning, and and. And as I, as I travail before the Lord and, and hardly able to speak, even if I could, watch, those, that, 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 that was a testimony that was going into the courts. of I'll never forget, there was this lady. There was this lady that came to me. She had a child with another man, um, and the man was not a good man. And she had tried to get the biological father, this other man, to sign away the rights to this child because he wouldn't take care of him and the child didn't need to be around him. It was not a good situation. So she came to me and she said, could we take this into the courts? And I really felt like we were supposed to. And I said, okay, well, let's do this. So, so she, she um, um, I, I led her in a prayer. And the moment I began to lead her in a prayer, petitioning the courts, if you will, for a righteous judgment that would cause this biological father to sign his rights away to this child. Because again, it wasn't a good situation. As, as, she, as she began to pray, this deep travail came on her. She began to travail under a weight of God. And I was sitting there watching. And I could feel it too, but I was really watching it on her. I'm telling you, within a week or less, the father had signed away the rights and the child was free from that particular situation because of a mother that groaned in the spirit before God. And it caused a judgment to come out of the courts that began to set things in order. Because many times our groanings and our travailings in the spirit will do in the courts what our words never can. Okay, let me give you a fourth thing, the power of a vow. 1 Samuel 1, 11. See, Hannah came to the place where she was willing to do something she had not been willing to do. She said to God, she made a vow, the Bible says, and she said to God, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him to you all the days of his life. He'll be yours. And she, and she, was, she was willing to, she was willing to do that. She, was, she, said, she said, Lord, this is my promise to you. Now watch this. i got to tell you something. Sometimes we have made commitments to God. We have promised God something. It can be as simple 
as Lord, I'm, I'm going to give you this amount of money. Or, or Lord, I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray every day. And then before it's all said and done, we broke that commitment we made to God. Well, watch. Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes 5, verses 4 through 6. It says, if you make a vow to God, you better pay it. Why? Because it, it says it's better not to make a vow than it is to make one and not pay it. And it says in verse 6, do not let your mouth... Cause your flesh to sin. Now watch this. Nor, nor say before the messenger of God that it was, an out, uh, it, was, it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse? Now watch this. And destroy the works of your hands. Do you, so in other words, if I make a commitment and a vow to God, I need to fulfill it. Why? Because the enemy, not God, it's not God. The enemy takes this as a legal right to begin to devour things in your life. So, so many times I've had to go to God. There's been several times that I've had to say, God, I didn't fulfill that vow. For instance, uh, in the town that we lived in, I was an unknown pastor just getting this church started. And I was invited to a crisis pregnancy situation where that this organization helped uh, help women not have abortions and, and, and save their babies. And so they were raising money for their cause for what they did. And so I went to this banquet, and I'm, listen, Mary and I didn't have any money, but we made a $25 commitment every month to give to this organization. I mean, it was, it was nothing, but it was, for us, it was something, because we didn't have anything at, the, at this stage. And so, so um, I paid it for a couple of months, and then I just... I, I, you know, I'm trying to keep my head above water and needed that to buy something else and, and quit paying it. Well, here's what happened. God blessed the work. I became known in the city. And all of a sudden, God impressed upon me one day, you didn't fulfill that obligation you made. You didn't, you didn't do what you said you were going to do. And the, and the Lord showed me the scripture. He said, you're giving the enemy a legal right to destroy the works of your hands. It's a legal claim against you. So I went down to the crisis pregnancy center. Now, whereas I wasn't known when I made the pledge a few years before, it's been years, now everybody knows me because I'm on television. And they know who I am. So I walk in, when I walk in the door, I said, uh, my name is Robert Henderson. Yeah, hi, Pastor, how are you doing? I said, I said, I think I made a commitment. I said, I don't know whether you have records of it or not now. It's been a, it's been a few years back. Oh yeah, we've got records. And, they, and they, they, they pulled it up on the computer. They said, yeah, you made a commitment for $25 a month, and you paid twice. And I'm so embarrassed. I'm standing there hanging my head. And I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I said let me just write a check for $500 right now. I said, I'm just going to give you $500 to fulfill the pledge and pay some interest. And they said, oh, thank you so much. And I paid and walked in. Why? Why did I do that? Because I wanted to make sure I wasn't giving the enemy a legal right against me. Because I had made a vow but had not fulfilled it. I had made a commitment but had not walked it through. You see, if I, if I do that. So Hannah promised God. And, and when you study the life of Hannah, what happens is God does give her a son. And she will not go back to the place of worship until the child is weaned and she can leave Samuel with Eli. 
because she fulfilled the promise of her life. So we need to put, we need to, listen, we need to deal with this as if, as in before the courts of heaven. Okay, really quickly, number five, apostolic decrees. Apostolic decrees are very powerful in the courts of heaven. 1 Samuel 1, 17 to 18. When Eli finally recognizes what's happened, watch what he says. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. Now watch this. This is so powerful. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. See, why did that happen? Because the moment Eli, as the apostolic figure in the matter, Hebrews 3.1, connects high priest and apostle. Jesus is the high priest and the apostle of the confession of our faith. So a high priest is an Old Testament term. Apostle is the equivalent in the New Testament. So when Eli, as the high priest, makes a decree, watch, it broke the spirit of barrenness off of Hannah. That's why, listen, that's why that, that sadness lifted off of her and she went away and ate. Why? Because the spirit of barrenness that had been controlling her life in the spirit realm was now broken and removed. Listen, this is what apostolic decrees can do. It can revoke the legal claims of the enemy based on our heart before the Lord. So, so, so walking in apostolic decrees and submitting ourselves and being rightly connected to the apostolic, listen, can give that, that one the legal right to speak and to break those things off of your life. If we had time, we could share some examples of that. Okay, two more real quickly. Intimacy. Intimacy. First Samuel 1, 19. So they go home. The spirit of barrenness has been broken off. And the Bible says Elkanai, the husband, knew sexually his wife Hannah. What happens? She conceives. Why? Because the spirit of barrenness, that, that thing that has restricted them, is now broken. Here's what I want you to hear. There are many of God's people who walk in deep intimacy with God. But I want you to hear this. We walk in deep intimacy with God. I was one of them. I know what I'm talking about. You walk in deep intimacy with God, but the spirit of barrenness on you has put limits that will not let you break forth to the right hand and to the left, even though you're very intimate with God. Listen, Elkanah and Hannah had an intimate relationship. But watch, when the spirit of barrenness came off, now, now the intimacy with each other is free. Listen, the intimacy is free to produce what it needs to produce. See, I'm talking about our intimacy with God. That when the spirit of barrenness comes off, when the limits are broken and the legal claims of that thing is revoked, it can allow us to come into new levels of blessing and breakthrough that we haven't had before. Okay, the last thing. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 1, 19, that God remembered her. That, now, anytime you, and I'll read in just a moment, but anytime you read that God remembered something, that's a courtroom scripture. 
That's a courtroom scripture. Let me show you. 1 Samuel 1, 19. And they rose early in the morning, worshiped before the Lord, returned and came to their house. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Remember what Rachel said? God has remembered me. The judge has remembered me. Isaiah 43, 26. Here's what the prophet said. Put me in remembrance, God says. Let us contend together. Watch. State your case that you may be acquitted. So when you come and you make your case and you are remembered before God, you are presenting a case in the courts of heaven. This is why Nehemiah said, remember me, O God, for the good that I have done. Listen, it's appropriate to call, us into, call ourselves into remembrance before God. God remembered Hannah. Her case was received in the courts of heaven. And because barrenness had been broken off, she was free to conceive and bring forth and break forth to the right hand and to the left. Amen? God wants to bring us out of any place of barrenness, any places of limitation and constraints as we would step into the courts of heaven. So if you would like for that to be done, would you stand up? And I want to walk us through. I want to walk us through a couple of things here for just a few moments. And, and uh, maybe can I have a keyboard player or something come? That would be great. Um, Thank you, Lord. Could you pray in the Spirit for just a moment? Thank you, Lord. Okay, I want everybody to say these words. Say, Lord, as we stand in your courts, thank you that we are accepted. We are received before you. And, Father, we want to ask that anything, anything, Lord, in the region in which we live, that would be claiming a right against us. Lord, we do not attack principalities or powers, but we ask that on a personal level, me and my family would be freed from any, any right that these things would claim against us. Lord, we're not asking for something to be done uh, uh, on a territorial level. We're asking for freedom right now in our own lives and that every agreement with powers of darkness or with, with idols would now be revoked and would now be removed in Jesus' name. Lord, we also say, let every word against me that's been spoken against me, Lord, every word, let it be annulled. Let it be annulled that the enemy would have no legal right to use those words to create limits. Let those things be revoked now and annulled in Jesus' name. Father, we say, let my desperation, let my groanings even come before you right now and testify in your courts. Lord, let my history of prayer let it speak before you right now and make a case in my behalf that would cause the limits that the enemy has claimed to have a right to set be broken and removed. Father, any place I have made vows and haven't kept them, I've made commitments and haven't fulfilled them, I repent. 
I'm asking you to forgive me. And I'm asking for your blood, your precious blood, the blood of sprinkling to speak for me. Lord, right now in Jesus' name, and let the enemy have no legal right to restrict me, to hold me back, to destroy the works of my hands. Let those rights be revoked. Let them go now in Jesus' name. And Father, I declare, I am rightly connected to the apostolic. Lord, I honor the apostolic in pastor's life. I honor the apostolic of this house in Cornerstone. And so now, Lord, we say, let the apostolic decrees break every spirit of barrenness. Let it go in Jesus' name. The restrictions come off in the glorious name of Jesus. Limits are broken. Uh, constraints are removed. Lord, Lord, even as one invited in, let me just do this, even as one invited in, I decree in this house, every spirit of barrenness broken now in Jesus' name. Broken now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we declare that, that intimacy with Jesus, intimacy with Jesus is now free to cause conceptions to occur, even in the spirit world, because the spirit of barrenness is now revoked. And Lord, we declare that you remember us, that you remember us, Lord, even as you remembered Hannah, even as you remembered Hannah, we thank you for that. Now listen, if there's anybody, any ladies in the room that you're struggling to conceive, I'm not trying to expose you, I don't, I'm not trying to make a spectacle of you, but if, if you feel a liberty and you, you feel like you would like to, I want you just to come, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray, even as I was just declaring even that thing of, of conception occurring, it was like I could see that word going forth and like hitting you, hitting you. So if there's anybody that wants to come, I just want to pray for you right quickly in this moment. If you're not, I get it. I, I'm, I'm not, I understand the sensitivity of the matter. But if you would like that, just come down if you would. Okay, so Father, we just want to thank you right now. Come on, just pray in the Spirit. I decree, I decree even over the, over the women, over the women. I say they will be no longer barren. I say that anything in the family line, anything in the, in the region, in the area here, it will not, it will not, it will not have its way. But these ladies will be freed to conceive and to bring forth abundantly, O oh God. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this. Come on, pray in the Spirit. Lord, we declare that even as a prophetic act, there will be conception that will occur. There will be conception that will testify that the spirit of limitation and barrenness, the curse of it, has come off even in the spirit realm. Even in the realm.
break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. of God that makes rich and adds no sorrow. I say there will be no limits. I say there will be no barrenness. I say there will be a new level of increase that comes. A new level of prosperity that comes. Even as we move into 2024, that there will be a new realm that will begin to be experienced in Jesus' name. I thank you for this right now. Limits off, limits off, Lord, limits off in Jesus' name. And a breaking out and an expansion to the right hand and to the left in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I even, I even saw there's some of you, that some of your children, perhaps grandchildren, they're not really doing what they're supposed to be doing. I Listen, I call them into divine order. I call your children and grandchildren, I call them into divine order and that your family will be an expression of the expansion of the kingdom of God. That those sons and their daughters and the grandchildren and the Lord, I declare that they will, they will come into the kingdom and there will be a breaking out on every side. We thank you for that today, even from the courts of heaven. That there is a, there's a rendering of judgments in favor and in behalf of your people in favor in behalf of your people that limits are coming off that the lord is literally speaking and declaring no more barrenness on any level and we thank you for that in jesus name amen amen could you give the lord a great big praise listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.